everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. There was no, there was no, there was no, no we're, a, we're a tripod instead yes. of a quadruped today. Andrew's I was waiting for, on, and I'm Andrew. Andrew's not on the show today. He'll be back next time, probably. Um, so it's just going to be the three of us this week. Um, before we get into the review, though, there's a couple news things that happened this week I thought we would just discuss. We didn't like prepare this ahead of time, but I, I just remembered a few things. Um, number one, the biggest mm-hmm. thing that happened in the past week is Netflix purchasing two sequels for Knives Out for $450 million. Um, kind yeah. of rocked the movie world a little bit. That is a huge sum of money for, t- for two movies, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, Knives Out was a, was a big box office hit, especially considering the fact that it was a original movie um, in a genre that really, at, when it came out, not entirely popular anymore. It was kind of yeah. uh, going back to the older style of detective movies. Um, so, and Netflix, as we all know, is constantly on the search for its own um, like brand to pop off. It's got Stranger Things is its biggest TV brand, I would say. I could be wrong, uh-huh. but I think, it, I think it still is. But other than that, they've, never, they've yet to launch a really big, big successful movie franchise. And so it seems like that's what they're trying to do by snatching Knives Out away from theaters. Yeah. And, you know, the Knives Out, big success. You know, they only spent about the production budget is only about $40 million. Um, I can't imagine that they spent more than about 100 mil on marketing. And that movie made like $330 million, like I think uh, either worldwide or, or U.S. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's kind of crazy that because um, I think it's uh, Lionsgate that uh released it and then the company that made it like for being like a huge success of theirs and being kind of like you said uh, not a big not a pre-existing property it's kind of crazy that someone would give that up but i mean for netflix come up and get like hey here's 450 million dollars that's a ton of money Um, well lionsgate is a, a company that really they produce a lot of really good movies but i don't think they make a lot of money um i think that lionsgate is, is like one of those like higher middle tiered production companies. And so for them, I'm sure $450 million, if, they, if that was what they got to, to get rid of it, at some percentage of that is a huge intake for them. Um, you can probably make more movies because again, if you look at Lionsgate's uh, you know, track record, they have a lot of good stuff on, on their mm-hmm. resume. They just don't really get a ton of you know, huge blockbusters. Yeah, uh, and, and Knives Out was that, you know, uh, 311 million worldwide and uh, Oscar nominated for best adapted screen, or best uh, original screenplay, wasn't yeah. it? Something no. like that, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm a little upset uh, just because it's so much fun to see movies like these in theaters, twists and turns and on the big screen, but it, it's also at the same time fun if you can get a group of people together and, and make it a thing where you try to solve the mystery um, together or, or something kind of fun. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Um, for, for movie buffs like us, we would rather sit there and watch it and watch it unravel than, than play around with it, uh, with a group. Yeah. Maybe we're playing inside of our own heads as we're watching it, but I don't know. Um, whatever, I'll watch it either way. I agree. It is disappointing because it is one of the, you know, 
uh, we've talked about it before, you know, there's not a lot of like great, like new, brand new, unadapted, you know, like things that have come forth over the last few years. And even some of the cool stuff is being pulled, even some of the biggest stuff of the last few years is being pulled from new places, places that people never looked before. But this was uh, this was something wholly original that really blew up and did really well. So yeah. it's sad to see that that's not going to necessarily be in the theater. I mean, it would be fascinating if, if long-term, who knows how long it's going to take for these movies to get made, if long-term Netflix is looking at yeah. uh, the simultaneous releases that HBO Max is doing, that Disney Plus is doing, and saying, you know, we've always been purely streaming, but who's to stop us from also double-dipping and having a having a 45-day window in theaters with a movie that we know will do big money like a Knives Out? Yeah. You know, we've already got your subscription, but hey, give it, you know, give us more they I mean, should i mean if they own it and then they put thing, it in theaters it's great um i also think that uh netflix has with these types of movies they have a possibility to branch out into like miniseries mm-hmm. uh, i think it could be interesting to if you can afford them uh get the thrombies back together and do like a miniseries whether it's what led up to the the day or just some of their history as they are dealing with it post you know who knows what kind of stories you come up with or you could even branch off with whoever you have um you know he's got little detective underlings that go do their own thing who knows netflix can Mm -hmm. be creative with this in many ways oh yeah yeah it should be it should be interesting um hopefully netflix will continue to have a relationship with uh, indie theaters like they do currently and we can see it at our neighborhood circle cinema where i have watched several netflix movies so uh, yeah. that would be great uh, you know movies they see as awards contenders they often do that and who's mm-hmm. to say it wouldn't be and um the only thing we know because there there are i don't believe there's any script for these two is that ryan johnson is returning as writer director and um daniel craig will return um he's the only one returning because um, well, the first movie's case was solved. So uh, yeah, he, will, yeah. he will take on another case. Um, should be good, should be interesting. Um, secondly, and this was, uh, this was kind of a fun little piece of news, although also tragic. Um, so we all know there's a new Space Jam coming out. Over the weekend, a new trailer dropped for it. But uh, perhaps the most disturbing piece of, of news that come out of this is that for the first time since the website was created in 1996, SpaceJam.com does not go to the original website for the original movie. Now, SpaceJam.com has, has infamously led to the original 90s website um, all the way up until just this week, where it now goes to a landing page for Space Jam 2. And this, is, this, is, this goes beyond movies and is like, uh, upsetting for for fans of '90s internet. It was a holdout. Yeah, I mean, it's a real from a from a what's the word from a, a, an image standpoint. It's a real like one step forward, one step back kind of move because it's like okay, you know, they may, they're bringing out Space Jam. What is it? A new legacy or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I I haven't watched the trailer yet as of this recording. But a lot of positive buzz coming out of it. Uh, you know, people are people are hyped. And then you take away something that's like a cool little like like fun thing that's out there on the internet. You know what they say: the internet is forever, and yet the internet 
uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, has no memory at the same time. This was like a little niche thing that nobody was bothering with. Yeah, who made uh, this decision? Well, what a bummer. What they need to do is Easter egg it. Or I, what could be fun, there are two options here. Make the current updated version of Space Jam look like a 90s version of the website. Or deep link it, Easter egg it somewhere in that website where it will still offshoot to the original that website belongs yeah. in a museum. All, all you got to do, you it's so it. simple. You just take that original web page and everything that went with it, right? And you put it under Space Jam, but you, then you like backslash 96. Yeah. Put it backslash oh, there you go. Yeah. And then or, boom, you're on the original website. Just put it on SpaceJam2.com and leave the other one alone. Fair. Uh, that's what I would have done. But it was just a cool little piece of internet history that was left alone for so long and it's just kind of a bummer to see that. You guys stuff- ever go there before? Yeah. Before um, I left? Every now I and then I would be reminded that it exists and I'd go check on it. And I, you know, the gif of, uh, I forget the actor, but he's in the woods and he just goes, that was me. Just nodding. Yeah. Really that it still yeah, is. I went a few times. Um, I so that's fun. Well. <laughs> I was going to add something else I forgot. Oh, well, anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Whatever. So that was uh, the main bit of news for the week. So let's get into our review. Uh, we're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Kong. Oh That's my right. gosh. Everybody's team, everybody's team Kong, right? Monster fight. Yeah. I mean, can you not be team Kong? Let's face it. I mean, uh, unless you have some weird affinity for Godzilla, how can you not be team Kong? Even, you know, uh, it just makes no sense. I would yeah. have to agree. So, so Godzilla vs. Kong came out um, in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day. It is a the, is it the it's the third no fourth in, fourth movie total yeah fourth fourth entry in the MonsterVerse um, after Godzilla Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, yes. And in this one, we see what people have been waiting on for a long time, an updated version of Godzilla fighting King Kong um, in, the, in a big city, trying to, um, you know, I don't know that they're trying to save the world typically or just kill each other. But in this movie, um, they really dive deep into the like lore and mythos of the hollow earth thing i think they called it and basically these are just two titans and only one can survive because of an ancient rivalry mm-hmm. um meanwhile typic as usual there's an evil man on earth who's trying to harness um the power of these titans to create his own monster and fighting ensues uh so what did everybody think first impressions of godzilla versus Kong? david do you want to go yeah, you know what? It was, uh, I'll go first. So in anticipation, I watched um, the rest of them because I had well, I had seen Kong Skull Island, but I'd never seen 2014's God. I watched. Uh, I went and watched those two movies mm-hmm. in the in anticipation for this one. And I gotta say, um, if you have been watching or if you haven't been watching this movie, I think is the most fun of all of these movies. Like it is, uh, there's a lot more energy to it. I feel like it's just more 
I don't know. There's more color, definitely. Like there's a lot more, there's a lot more to see. Uh, and there's more, I think there's more interesting action in a lot of it. It seems to me like the best possible outcome for this monster verse thing. Um, you know, I don't feel like these movies really gained that much attention um, during the time that they're being built up, even though they said way back in 2015, I looked it up and they were in there was that was the first notion that they were going to try to do this. And even during all that time, I feel like nobody really talked about it, but they managed to over the course of, uh, you know, well, six years this was supposed to release last year, but over the course of, you know, six years, they managed to make four pretty decent movies uh, that uh, build up to this um, ultimate, you know, a, a crossover film. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. That's not to say that um, there's not things I, I, you know, that I didn't like or that there were things that um, didn't quite connect for me because that's kind of been my problem watching the first, the other movies is that it, there's there for is the big monsters and that stuff really kind of worked for me. I think I talked about at the beginning, it's hard not to side with Kong in a situation of Kong versus Godzilla. A, Kong seems like a little bit more of the underdog, but two, it's just easier to anthropomorphize an ape than it is a giant, a giant dragon thing. Like you can see the emotion in his face, his eyes. And I thought they did a great job of making a distinction between how Kong connects with humans versus how Godzilla connects with humans. And so um, they made it, they, and they, but they also made you understand that this fight isn't like a, they hate each other. It's like a, this is an alpha dog fight. Like the point of like, we're both here to protect this earth and only one of us can do that. So the, the, it, we have to find out who's the strongest to do that. Um, so I liked all that. So, I, I mean, um, you know, I, I have generally good praise for it. You know, I, I could talk about some of the things I didn't like a little bit later, but I, I kind of want to hear from Garrett because Garrett, I know you've seen some of the other ones as well. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't uh, watch all of them leading up to it, but I had seen both Godzilla's and uh, now I've seen Kong Skull Island. So, you know, the first Godzilla movie was pretty good. The second one I thought was a little weak. Um, I thought Kong Skull Island is great. And I think that this builds on this, but I will say that the movie had me concerned right out the gate uh, because you don't know what you're going to get when you have these two big personalities about to clash. And when the first thing you see is an opening montage of a giant monkey scratching his butt, that was not what I wanted to see going into this movie. I was, that was like, oh man, don't give me this. I don't want it to be this. And that was the only time that that was that. So the, from there, it just got better. And I for, completely forgot about it until, you know, thinking about the movie again. Um, I think that just to talk about some of the things that maybe are a little weak, um, you can always talk about the people, how they're very weak. You know, they introduced Brian Tyree Henry's character in a great, fantastic way. And I liked him. Everyone else is just kind of there. Um, and and like, whatever, that's fine. You're here for the monsters, whatever. Um, I think the flow and then whenever they lean into the ridiculousness of the mythos and the lore and all of that, it took a turn that I didn't expect. I expect, when you think of monster movies, it's mostly about like disaster and destruction and it is. This one has a different type of element to it that I certainly did not expect. Um, very 
to me, not in the same way, but kind of Jurassic Parkian in that you're getting, you know, a little bit more mythology, a little more lore, a little more home of these Titans and seeing what they can do. And I liked that element that I didn't expect. It wasn't just a, you know, monster disaster movie. There's more to it. And I really enjoyed that. And then again, the big, there's another big twist that I don't want to get into that that was like, but I, I very much enjoyed this. Thought it was a lot of fun. The effects are great. The monster fights are great. Um, yeah, I think they did a, a really good job with modernizing these two personalities that have been around for so long. Yeah. And, well, I think we can get into the, the big, we can get into the big spoilers a little bit later, maybe. Yeah. Jersh? I really loved it. Thought it was so much fun. Um, you know, I didn't see the second Godzilla movie because I wasn't entirely interested in it. Um, Kong Skull Island is fun at times. And Godzilla, I don't recall being fun at all, although I didn't dislike it. This movie is like nonstop fun. Um, I saw, I went and saw it in a theater and they played a trailer for the next Fast and Furious movie. And all I could think the whole time was like, you know what? This is like, Fast and Furious is like Godzilla versus Kong, but with cars. It's just crazy stuff blowing up, getting smashed. And yeah. those movies do great. So it just, and they're pure fun, no matter how dumb they are. And yeah. I thought, you know what? That's what I want this to be. I don't really care how much sense it makes as long as it's fun. And fortunately, even though they dipped into a lot of complicated story ideas, it made sense. I thought it made pretty good sense. Um, I thought the, the monsters were cool. I really enjoyed how they did kind of humanize them to an extent. Uh, you know, Kong is able to communicate with with the humans, which again makes sense because despite him being a giant ape, that is a realistic thing. Uh, people have um, learned or managed to teach apes sign language and things like that. So that is a that is a believable occurrence that Kong would be able to communicate. And then while Godzilla can't communicate communicate exactly. They, or the movie, shows you his intentions uh, pretty well, I thought. Mm -hmm. So those were cool things. They weren't just big monsters smashing things. There was a tiny bit of depth there mm -hmm. that I think can be hard to pull off. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. I didn't think the humans were that weak in this one, actually. The only, the only human storyline that I thought was weak was... Kyle Chandler as Millie Bobby Brown's dad, who doesn't really do anything other than wonder where his daughter is. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, the other humans are doing things. Um, yeah. You know, Brian Tyree Henry is an employee of this Apex company. He's also a popular conspiracy theorist podcast host. Millie Bobby Brown, she, she's in the second Godzilla, right? She is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what her deal is other than I was able to figure out pretty quickly that she is also very interested in Godzilla conspiracy theories and she drags a friend along and they they go down this wild goose chase that contributes to the plot fairly well and then you've got um is it is that Rebecca Hall I think as yeah, the, Rebecca Hall Rebecca Hall and, and her uh, daughter are are dealing with Kong <laughs> and they're also 
really good at contributing to plot because uh, the little girl is the one who is able to directly communicate with Kong because they have some kind of connection. Um, you know, she's, um, I, was it established if she's deaf or, or mute? Yeah, she's she deaf. Speak. Well, she's also, uh, from my recollection, uh, if you remember in Kong Skull Island, there were some native people on Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Um, and they mentioned in this movie that they got wiped out and she was there and like Kong protected her. And so it, it's not, or she's not Rebecca Hall's daughter. So Rebecca Hall can't communicate with her either. So she taught mm. her sign language um, as a way to communicate because she doesn't speak English. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, I didn't catch it right away, but um, it, yeah, it was eventually established that yeah, she is she is deaf, and it played that that actually ends up playing into the story in very interesting ways, and it allows that situation of introducing the idea of Kong being able to communicate and and, and somewhat well with the humans. Um, uh, it, it's a really I think smart way to establish that and to make it seem believable you know, as, as as believable as anything can be in this movie. Yeah. So overall, I thought it was really good and um, set a high bar for this kind of movie, I think, you know. It's yeah. so easy for these to just be dumb movies, but this was actually engaging and um, just fun to watch. So Well, uh, and a lot of times what I was concerned with coming out of this movie is that it was just going to be the same kind of a build that you get in most of these monster movies where it's, you know, um, you have Monster A and they get one little fight where like nobody wins and then there's another big villain and then they team up together to take out the big villain and their best friends. And it takes a similar path, but not exactly uh, that way. And I think that the way they normally do it is because, and, and this one's interesting because you have uh, Warner Brothers who owns the rights to King Kong and you have Legendary, which owns the right to Godzilla. Neither one of them want their monster to win, which is why they are, want them to lose or look weak. And so what I enjoyed about this is, and David, I think you'll appreciate this from a wrestling perspective, is they treated it very much like a wrestling build, where yeah. throughout this movie, you have a fight where Monster A gets a leg up. Then you have a yeah. fight where Monster B gets a leg yeah. up. And then you have a rubber match where things where you go get down. like a, a kind of yeah. a definitive winner but right and then uh, but then at the end you go you know they're not necessarily best friends they're not enemies you don't really know where they stand but, but it's kind of like you know okay yeah but waiting in waiting into spoiler territory so if you don't if you haven't seen yeah. it yet spoiler but it's a classic you know uh after the after a knockdown drag out fight the hand up you know, they don't actually do a hand up, but the hand, you know, like the hand up, shake hands, leave yeah. on respect. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, this movie did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm not claiming to be a, a clairvoyant or, or special in any way, although you may treat me as such. Uh, it is a uh, exactly what you described, Garrett, where you have the thing is they're both technically good guys. Mm -hmm. It's like whenever people go, well, who would win Batman versus Superman? I was like, well, they would fight for like two minutes and then they both realize they're both good guys. Right. That's, right. that's, that's the only, that's the only way I, I foresee that going. Like, and you get the introduction here, spoiler, 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 where uh, we get Mecha Godzilla, another classic from these old Godzilla movies as your third party. 
and you get to see Godzilla and King Kong team up after we get a definitive winner, which I won't spoil. I won't spoil who the definitive no, winner no. is. But we do get like, okay, yeah, they, they won. They, they won. Um, but uh, I actually really liked that while it went down, like you said, a kind of similar or predictable path as you've seen in a lot of versus type things, uh, they kind of found a more, they found a more, they found a, 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 an interesting way to do that. I agree. Um, and uh, I kind of thought that is kind of interesting because I liked um, King of Monsters in retrospect now. When I was watching it, I was like, yeah, you know, this is fine. This is fine. Whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I didn't care for that one as much as I was watching it because my biggest problem with Godzilla movies a lot of times is that Godzilla a lot of times is just portrayed as like a force of nature. And that movie is like Godzilla versus another force of nature. So it's like there's no character between the two, really. And while while every every character in the movie tells me, oh, Godzilla, he's on our side. He's our friend. He is helping us. It's like you never really see Godzilla feel like he never really like looks at the humans like not that he has to tip the cap, but I mean, right. just something that would make like, oh, Godzilla cares if he accidentally steps on some humans. Uh, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like we are just we are just tiny ants on his, you know, on his turf. And uh, but I liked this because. While, while they still didn't quite do that, you did get to see a little bit more character in how Godzilla acts, especially when he finds these other two alpha predators he has to go up against. Um, to differ with you guys, and I'll let you guys explain. Maybe you guys can help me around with it. To differ from you guys, I did not care about the uh, Millie Bobby Brown uh, sub uh, B-plot and, and Brian Tyler, uh, Tyree Henry. And uh, who was this other kid? He was in Deadpool 2. Uh, I don't know. He was. It, I know his name. His name was, was Josh in the movie. I think. I honestly kind of felt like it was all somewhat. Um, they, they, the whole that entire story could have been told, and their characters could have just not been there. Um, you could just show the villain's point of view. We have a villain in this, or an, you know, we have a villain in this movie. Just show his point of view of him explaining all of this stuff to someone. It doesn't matter who, or just show his his journey through the movie. Because by the end of the movie, the other characters from the A plot the B plot shows up and they just kind of look and go, what the heck is that? Mm. It's like, they weren't like communicating with each other where they go like, Oh, we need, we have, there's something, this is what Godzilla is running towards. This thing just shows up as from, from the other character's point of view. And from the Millie Bobby Brown's character's point of view, like they don't really do anything other than just stumble their way into, into hijinks, uh, into this, into this, this bigger story. Like I felt like all that stuff could have been introduced without having them. Um, it's not the end of the world, but it's just kind of, I was sitting and going, every time they would cut back to them, I was just like, ugh. Like, uh, they just, they just didn't seem to be needed. No, oh, see, I very I, much enjoyed their, because they, to me, they had personality. They had, they had, uh, they had more, I had more interest in watching them as characters than I did watching the other people as characters because they did not seem relatable to me. They were very I and I won't deny that. and I didn't really care. I got what they were doing and I got why they were there and they, I followed the plot and everything. I just didn't connect with them on an emotional level. And I, and Brian, I got that from Brian Tyree Henry, 100%. I think Did I would have been more bored if I did have to hear the villain monologue about what we learned. I mean, through. 
No, the villains kind of suck. I don't even necessarily need monologues. Just show the villain walking. Yeah, I know we don't need monologues, but like that's what we would walk him through the scene. You know, let me connect the dots. You know, I can do that. It just seemed like Brian Tyler, Tyler Henry's character was just expl- explicably knew everything. I did read one article that he's I found an interesting. And he's just like, oh, it's clearly a, they're using telepathic super rays. Oh, he's in a trance. Don't worry about that guy. I, th- I read one article that had an interesting perspective on the people in monster movies because they do talk about how that is a consistent thing where it's usually they're a weak element as far as a character development standpoint yes from a plot perspective they were fine but overall i think most of them had no depth or any like emotional anything to do other than help give you more for the monsters which is what you're there for anyway and so the perspective of this article was you can create movies that are monster movies where you get good character development and they kind of pointed out some of the ones that are very similar um and they they use jurassic park a lot Um, They also referenced Kong Skull Island and they talked about how if you centralize the group of people, um, that really helps them um, rather than having to bounce around from different people to different people because you don't have that time. And if you Mm -hmm. have, you know, instead of six different characters, you have three or four in one central location that helps you develop them more than, you know, you had three over here and like what, five or six over here and you just don't have time for all of that yeah um and so i thought it was an interesting perspective i think that's a good point because i think at the i think i it would have been fine if it felt like it was connected obviously they 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 meet up at the end but it just felt so disjointed from the other story that was going on where we were definitely pursuing you know we had we had these characters that were just with kong they were just trying to get kong somewhere and they're kind of trying to avoid godzilla on the way because Godzilla is looking for a fight. Uh, he was stomping around Tokyo ground, whatever. Uh, you know, this is the ultimate showdown. Uh, this is, uh, and, then, and then you have Millie Barry Brown and the other characters, and they just kind of feel like, they just kind of feel like uh, they're not connected to me, to the, to the story. Sure. Obviously, obviously what they do, what they discover and cover and, and discover is important, but I, I, I think the movie really summed it up to me when, uh, out, was it Alex Skarsgård, Alexander Skarsgård and, and, and uh, Rebecca Hall, uh, Mecca Godzilla shows up and they're like, what the heck is that thing? And it's like, well, we, the audience, we've known for like 55 minutes what that thing is. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. It might be a weak complaint, but I, I, it's interesting that you, it's kind of reversed for us. Mm-hmm. It was the other story that didn't, it wasn't as connecting for you guys. Sure. So. I also want to take time just to really give a lot of attention to Kong because I feel like they have done a very good job of modernizing something that's been around for so long. Um, you look at the remake that we had. So I don't even know. Oh, five. Is that when it came out? That terrible yeah. thing. Yeah, it was basically it. just a longer version of the original one. And the problem yeah. that I have with a lot of remakes and reboots is that you just don't get anything original. Um, you get a rehash of everything. And so what I really appreciate, at least from this MonsterVerse, is that Kong is a really original timeline to an extent. And it's not them taking him and finding him on the island and bringing him to New York and him holding on to the Empire State Building. And all this is not the same thing that I've seen over and over and over and over. They have done a really good job of giving me a modern King Kong that I can connect. And, and I think yeah. that is a really good 
thing for other people, you can take original property or take other properties and modernize them, but don't give me what I got already. Do something yeah. else and original. I get that you want to see the the monkey on the bill. That's the shot. That's whatever. But I've seen it already. They yeah. did it great then. Give me an homage. Don't give me the same story. I know. It's interesting that there was like no homage because, you there know. There was a brief moment where in like Tokyo, he's like swinging from a building that's kind of in the shape of the, of the same thing. But oh, like maybe, I, just maybe, quick, I, maybe I overlooked it's that. It's so quick that it's probably not even a reference thing. I just took it as that. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me what I wanted. And I'm, I'm super happy that they didn't just give me the same thing. So yeah. same thing with what they've done with Jason. Give me those characters I'm familiar with but don't give me the same story that I've already heard. What'd you think, Josh? Sorry, not uh, uh, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Oh, Mike Myers. I was like, who's Jason? My, I, I, yeah, I said okay. Jason. I meant Michael Myers. And I was like, I was like, I know, I never saw. I got around those old, those new Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, well, what about me? What did you think about? What do you think about this modernization oh. of Kong between those two movies and versus the kind of traditional way that he's presented? Yeah, for uh, sure. This is the twelfth Kong movie. Yeah, I mean, I have not seen the majority of Kong movies, mm. um, but it seems to me as an outsider looking in, I could be completely wrong, but it, it seems like in the past, they almost try to romanticize the Kong story. Uh, and that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, it's just dumb. And I assume that's because I think that's how the like first Kong movie was where he like falls in love with the girl. Is that right? I don't know. They have like a love, like a connection that calms her down very similar to Black Widow and Hulk. So it feels like they always <laughs> have leaned into piece, that right? in the reboots. I mean that, I think that's kind of what they were going for in Peter Jackson's um, epic version of King Kong. Yeah. And I don't like that and I don't want that. I'm not here for that uh like you said that already exists and i don't even want to see that version of that already exists well, and a lot of times when we see uh movies with humans as a main character and uh big monkeys as a big character uh there's always this theme of like they love each other whether it's well, familial or whatever i think yeah. of like Mighty Joe, Mighty Young, Joe Young and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see an angry monkey break something, <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I got in this no. one. No, and, and I that's think what I got Kong Skull Island. I, I think Kong, the movie, the first King Kong. It, I think it, it helped establish that as a a trope that the yeah. gentle giant, yeah. um, uh, trope, if you will, of this big creature but has a soft spot maybe not maybe not for all humans but at least for like one human is capable of making that connection and you've seen that not just in uh movies about apes but you've seen that in all kinds of monster movies and superhero movies and things like that you know i'm thinking of like you could think of like something like the whole you can think of iron giant you know any of these movies where you have this large scary thing actually has a soft spot in its uh in its heart for something that it shouldn't care about um i don't mind that as a an aspect of kong's character if you will and i like that they maintain that because yes. you see a little of it in kong skull island you see it here uh that there's a part of his character that's not just all violence but when he has to turn it on when he has to defend 
he can do it. And I think that's a really, um, I think that's a more, I think that way has a little bit more longevity. I'm never going to, I wouldn't try to dissuade against the uh, classic original, I think 1933 film. Um, and for those who love Peter Jackson's remake, uh, I, I think it's a little over long, but uh, you know, uh, that old romanticized story, I feel like has value, but I think, that if this character is going to have to be a franchise character, if legendary, whoever is, or Warner Brothers is just dedicated to it being a franchise thing, uh, you might as well have some fun with it. Um, I have no problems with taking what those stories built on that character. It would be stupid to ignore all of the the lore and the history of that. Um, I just, but yeah, we all know that story. Um, Mm -hmm. That story is so iconic and told that you can just make sure that people know that that's King Kong and people are like, okay, I get the character. I get that he has that humanistic side. I don't need to see it again and again and again. There's, there's no need to retread it in such a, it's like watching Batman's parents die over and over again. I don't need it. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, find creative ways to incorporate it and I'll appreciate it. Okay. But don't just give me the same shot over and over again, or the same, God forbid the same movie over and over again. Right. And that's no, what and this I, version. That's what of I Kong liked about Kong Skull yeah. Island is that it was on the island the whole time. Yeah. Like what a what a what a what a what a different setting because you know and again I've never seen uh, King Kong Lives from 1986. <laughs> I never saw King Kong Escapes from 1967. Uh, but I imagine that they uh, follow the kind of traditional big monster messes stuff up. Does he die at the end? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. I also never saw the original Kong versus Godzilla. Interesting that he got first billing the first time around, uh, but not this time. Um, but that that movie ended with apparently a bit of a bit of a, a non finish. And that's what I was worried about: is a lot of these versus movies is I leave unsatisfied because I mm-hmm. don't get that. A, I don't even sometimes I don't even get the real fight. I don't even get to see the two build people fight um it's all a lie mm-hmm. uh and then i and then they don't but, you know give they don't want either one to win or lose because they don't want one or the other to look weak and that is silly here's an interesting here's an interesting throw at you what are some other versus movies that we can we can compare this to real quick we don't have to Freddy say versus jason Freddy versus jason movies what do you think of kramer versus, versus kramer no I don't think in the same realm as this. Alien versus Predator, Freddy Alien versus, versus Jason, Predator, Batman Alien. versus Superman. Uh, I'll tell you what, I like uh as as it's I think it's probably trash, but I like Predator versus Alien. I had fun with that. Uh my favorite aspect of that is that it's like a it's like a ton of aliens and one predator. Because yeah. the aliens are kind of like I mean, I, I've never I'm not a big on aliens, the the, the franchise, but you know, they're kind of like big space dogs. So, and yeah. the predator is like a, he's like a, he'll be like a freaking bounty hunter from Star Wars. Right. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Billy the Kid versus Dracula. You guys seen this one? No. Who are you taking, Billy the Kid or Dracula? I mean, Billy if Billy the, the Kid's got silver bullets, then Billy the Kid, he's a dead shot. Ooh, smart. See, that's thinking with your noodle there, Garrett. Uh, what about what we got here? Dracula versus Frankenstein. Another Dracula. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Frankenstein. Dracula, very popular in these movies. Batman versus Superman, we saw that. Hey, so you know what sucks about Batman versus Superman in this movie? 
this Kong versus uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Listen, I, I made a joke Kong to myself. My protector. I made a joke to myself when I first saw the title announced and laughed my butt off to myself. Only to take to Twitter, and of course, hundreds of people have already made this exact same joke. They're already on it. My, uh, my, my I'm not claiming to be original. But uh, it was the idea of uh, Godzilla having Kong, or, or excuse me, Kong having Godzilla on the ground. And Godzilla says, save Mothra. Save Mothra. And then Godzilla goes, why? Or Kong goes, why did you say that name? Because he knows Mothra. <laughs> Just like Martha. Okay. And like, it, it was such an obvious joke. But I, la- I thought to myself, I got to tweet this before we become, before somebody, before somebody else. Says, <laughs> I got to tweet it. So many people already thought of it. What a bummer. Freddy yeah, versus Jason. Yeah. Did you guys ever see this one? Yeah. It's bad. Uh, I know how that one ends. That one's kind of a non-finish. Yep. Yeah. It's bad. That's what I'm saying. That's what. That's the way they always end. They always end with a non-finish because most of the time they just want it to be like, oh, could there be another? Yeah. This, this, this list on Looper is perfect. It included Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> Definitely That's volcano. funny. Just not anything like the rest. No, of the I take Joe. I take Joe. If a volcano can't take down Tom Hanks, take Joe all the way. Uh, oh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, Scott, definitely. I mean, Scott. You want to be? You want to think Scott's going to win? But I mean, let's face it, it's the whole world. All right, Scott's like, going to win. Eventually, there's there's just too many people. There's just too many. Scott's coming for you. Uh, monsters versus aliens. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, aliens versus cowboys. Aliens versus cowboys. Cowboys versus aliens. Cowboys versus aliens. Or is it cowboys and aliens? I, I thought, thought it was, it was cowboys, cowboys and aliens, but they oh. definitely are against each other in the movie. Yeah. And I'm going to go with oh, well. um, whatever team Harrison Ford is on every time. Always. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else do we got? Anything else about the movie that we want to throw out there that we haven't talked about? I very much enjoyed it. Oh, uh, David, did you watch it in the theater or watch it at home? I watched it at home. How'd you feel? How'd I you got feel a youngin. Got a five, I, I got a, I got a five week old over here. And um, well, you know, uh, I kind of feel like if I had seen it at, in the theater, seen it on, uh, was this available on IMAX as well? Mm-hmm. I yeah, could have seen so. it in those formats. Then uh, I mean, I probably would have liked it even more than I did. But I, I still, I mean, I still walked away enjoying myself. I watched all these movies here at home. Uh, you know, the ability to pause came in very handy because yeah. I because I was. Uh, I was alone. My uh, my wife had to go do errands, and so I was alone. And uh, uh, as you might imagine, my uh, my son Jack had several bathroom breaks he needed to take. So uh, the ability to pause was 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 an added bonus in the scenario. I do look forward to seeing going back to the theater soon, um, because yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it even more. Um, I know Josh, you enjoyed your theater experience, Garrett. I assume you did. Uh, I know that uh, Josh, you walked away thinking about the uh, the casualty list uh, for yes. this movie or the uh, the destruction. Yes, I saw I saw a post about that. Is that is that pressing on your mind? Well, so in a movie like this, I'm always wondering about the cost of uh, reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hong Kong was fairly well demolished by Kong and Godzilla, at least mm-hmm. downtown ish. So I'm always wondering, like, man, what is the cost of that in terms of uh, human life and, and, you know, how do they rebuild it? Now, they don't go into detail about the the human cost other than to say, like, oh, don't worry, we evacuated the city. 
<laughs> so you're like left to believe no one got hurt. Now, I mean, because they don't show good, people getting hurt. It's a good they thing this one is in Hong Kong and not America, because you at least think the Hong Kong people probably listened to Get Out. You know, if yeah, it was Americans it was in America again, there'd be a bunch of going, no monster. Ain't no gonna drive me out my house. I'll shoot it. Look, if I see the monster coming down my alley, then I'll leave. All right. But it ain't <laughs> happening. It ain't happening. So Rotten Tomatoes actually did an article about uh, Godzilla versus Kong by the numbers. And according to this article, King Kong has done an estimated $1.5 billion of damage over his course of existing. Um, Godzilla. That's crazy to me because that feels like the low end of the damage in this movie alone. Well, you got to think back. So it's adjusted for inflation also. (laughs) But, you know, most of of King Kong is on the island and then he comes to New York City. Uh, Godzilla is normally always taking place in the city. And basically... They don't even know where to begin, and they say a submarine that he destroyed in the 1998 movie is worth $900 million alone. So that's plus all the movies he's done. Plus, yeah, he's normally in like Tokyo, which is a very populous city, uh, destroying it left and right. I mean, he has done so much damage. Yeah, unbelievable. If you're if you're a person who lives in Tokyo, I don't know what people from Tokyo are called. If you're a person who lives in Tokyo, right, in the Godzilla universe, you just gotta like move. Yeah. <laughs> it's Not like every it. time I build something, well, they wake up Godzilla again. You know, I was thinking about that too, especially when I'm watching like um Millie Bobby Brown and, and gang just run around. I was thinking to myself, like, what? would it be like to live in a world where these things can just happen? Cause they're like, cause she's living a normal life, going to school and just casually listening to conspiracy podcasts about Godzilla, like on the bus mm. and stuff. So yeah. it's like, they just live in a world where this is a thing now and life continues around it. Yeah. And that boggles my mind a bit. Well, I get that they're protectors. Like Godzilla is a protector overall. He wants to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, King Kong is a protector overall, but then again, they they have their fights, and then it's not being protected. <laughs> it's it's no, being and, destroyed. And, and they talk about how this movie is five years after the events of Godzilla: King of Monsters. Saying so it's been five years, that's happened. But let's face it: the way that, the way that this world works apparently now is like at any given moment, Godzilla could just pop up and just decide, "Hey, I'm gonna go fight that thing." Everybody's like, "What thing?" Yeah. And then that thing finally shows up um godzilla knows before we do uh yeah it would be i feel like it would be very difficult i don't know where it would be the best place to live it seems like not a lot has happened in terms of godzilla and king kong movies not a lot happens in like uh in like africa i moved to like yeah. egypt or something London, like that in the european countries there's nothing yeah. that usually happens there they seem to keep it to the east <laughs> they need to keep it in japan and the west coast of uh, of the united states that first movie was in san francisco mm-hmm. um have you guys? Uh, you guys said so you don't. You're not really like uh, in this. You don't really like follow like uh, like these movies, do you? Like the Godzilla movies, stuff like that. I know there's a lot of fans out there of this kaiju universe of uh, crazy characters, and we've seen a lot over the last few movies. Yeah. But uh, but this is my first real introduction into a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Same. Um, I'm not very familiar with the um, 
deeper levels of the story beyond who is Godzilla, who is Kong. And then like, I know the names of, of characters like Mothra and Mechagodzilla, but I've never really seen them. I would like to, to, to maybe dive into some of that though. And I was checking uh, before we started. And if, you, if you're someone who watched this movie on HBO Max or have access to it, they've got um, 12 Godzilla movies on there including the current MonsterVerse and um, I think it was four, four or five King Kong movies. So I might start there and yeah, I, wonder, I bet those around watch some older movies. Yeah. Yeah. Let, who said Andrew has to be the only one who likes old movies? <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, exactly. But right, to, well. to get back to what um, I think you were initially going toward before we move on, um, the theater experience was really cool. Um, I think this is a great movie to see in a theater if you're in a position to um, see a movie in a theater and you are fully vaccinated and able to do so safely. It's really cool. Um, it's one of the, the better visual effects experiences I've had on the Dolby screen at AMC. It's just um, really cool to see it on a screen that big. Um, you know, a lot, there's been a handful of big movies that have come out. This has been the biggest one uh -huh. since Tenet. Tenet came out too soon, we have learned in hindsight, and did not do well domestically at the box office and did not usher in the return to movie theaters that Chris Nolan and Warner Brothers hoped it would. But to transition now, because I know you've got some data. I David, do. Godzilla versus Kong is killing it at the box office in, they in the pandemic wrong return so far now granted we're only three days in but um opening up on a wednesday single day total 9.6 million dollars on march 31st of 2021 um this is pretty fresh um since then april 1st 6.7 million that's only a 30 percent drop for a thursday show which isn't bad and then friday so this is the most recent number i have friday april 2nd a 70% boost to $11.6 million. So we're looking at a very big, I mean, I guess you'd have to call it a five day because it's, they released it on a Wednesday, but by Sunday, uh, best estimate, this thing could have at least, um, let's give it, let's give it like 10 and nine for the next two days. Um, so we've got to get about another $19 million. Uh, I think, by the time we're all said and done, I, uh, I think yeah. it's going to be the biggest thing we've had all, you know, since the pandemic began easily. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine that if people are, if people are willing to go out and see this, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't stick with it. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, I had read an article just today that, that it's looking at a um, possibly 46 to $50 million opening weekend. Wow, yeah, well, and don't forget that it's also weekend. Easter weekend. <laughs> so that's, a, it's also Easter weekend. So I feel like that's that could true. be a big movie that's get true. to an extent. Well, I just did the math. I was, I, 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 I just did my, my math there and I, my math came out to 46 million. So luckily. Boom. You're right on target with the articles. <laughs> I've been, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been able to exercise any box office predictions. I know. Still got, you still got it. You still got it. You know, that's it. That said, in the long scheme of things, this is going to be this is going to be barely nothing compared to what it could have made in a, sure. a healthy box office season. But um, with 
the hunger for people to get back to get back to some of this normalcy and with theaters being more and more open um i think that it's in over 3000 theaters right now and as we you know as we go along they might you know, they're going to leave this thing in for at least 45 days i think is the plan or uh, at least a month so yeah. there's time for it to get a pretty good amount of money um so yeah i mean i i think i think it's definitely going to be the, it's going to it's going to work its way up um, 2020 on the whole, or 2021, excuse me, on uh, for uh, as a whole, where did that, where, where do I have that number at? Uh, oh, that's not what I want. Uh, sorry about that. Um, for the year, you know, we're looking at uh, the number one movie is still Tom and Jerry, um, which is holding out pretty well. Uh, at number two, you have Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, just behind it, by, uh, so it's uh, 37 million for Tom and Jerry, 30 million for Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, I mean, this is impressive though. Godzilla versus Kong, only out for three days. It's already the number three movie in the United States for the year, 27.9 million. Uh, number four, The Marksman. Number five, uh, The Little Things. Uh, man, is, is is actually hung in there pretty well. Um, I would I would imagine that as things open up more and more, and as new things come out all of those movies are kind of going to drift down a little bit. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what that first movie is back. that has that first, like a huge opening, like 90 million plus opening. Um, I would think that the best chance is probably going to be the fast and the furious movie, right? Isn't there a fast and furious movie coming out in June? Yeah. F9 comes out in June. I would imagine that that's got the best chance to do it followed by black widow um either of those could probably break could possibly break 100 million if we're at 4,000 theaters by then um with this one making this one having a chance at 50 million it would be hard to imagine that they, they couldn't they couldn't come close yeah um for a little uh that that's all i have in terms of that for a little perspective um on the rest of the monsterverse that first 2014 godzilla that brought in 200 million dollars total Kong versus Skull Island came in second with 168. Godzilla King of Monsters, 110 million. And this is at 27 million. I think that if this could manage to find its way to $100 million in a pandemic, that'd be a huge win as far as uh, all the parties involved were concerned. Um, I, it's not likely to make back its budget, uh, at least not domestically, but uh, it could, it could, you know, you're looking for, uh, you're looking for a, what, what's it called? A, um, a moral victory here, you know? Yeah. Yes, uh, the big one. I think it's also, it's really impressive to me that these HBO simultaneous release day movies are killing it at the, at the box office. Well, I think it benefits that they are good movies for the most part. They're always um, good to want to see. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think that HBO a, max is a much smaller subscriber base than most. Too, it but. is. And that's, that's what amazes me is like you got these these free i mean essentially free movies that people want to see but hbo subscriber base really hasn't i think i don't think it's pushed past 25 million yet which um, shows that it's i mean it doesn't matter i guess i mean if they want to keep doing it by all means i guess go ahead i guess not because i mean and and i kind of and we're not seeing that the theaters aren't um it's kind of funny to me that the theaters threw such a, a stink about it but i mean they're still making 
money. I mean, the, the theaters at the end of the day are going to make more money off these than the studios will. You also have to um, think, you know, as much as people want to watch movies in their house and as much as people are willing to watch four hours of a TV show, mm-hmm. I think that people are more willing to go watch a movie in a theater because they don't necessarily want to pause a movie. They don't mind pausing a TV show, mm. but for some reason, a lot of people might have problems watching a movie at home oh, I get that. because of the distraction and they want to watch it as a one whole thing. Thus, they would rather go to the theater instead of be at home. Some I, get people. That. I get that. I think it's just amazing that there was this kind of fear of like, oh, you're cutting our legs out from under us from the theater. Mm-hmm. Not to say they weren't, those fears weren't valid, but um, at this point, like those movies are, are doing really well. And, um, you know, unless something, this unless something is like way off i think yeah. that the theaters are going to be okay in this in this well, exchange because they're because the theaters are going to take their their cut of the movie and hbo is not going to make back their money on any of them it would be interesting though to see if godzilla versus kong had come out on netflix then what would happen if a if a big similar to knives out if if netflix decides if netflix decides or or you know I guess if Disney decides to release numbers, I guess we'll never know because they don't release their numbers. But if a bigger subscription base releases a movie with big recognition like that in their subscriber base and in theaters, it would be interesting to see how much movie that or how much money that movie would make as opposed to the HBO Max, which does have a smaller subscriber base. Yeah, that would be the thing is, you know, Netflix has so many subscribers that them gaining a big movie i it's hard for me to imagine they gain a lot of new subscribers from that like i don't know that i see a bunch of people buying a netflix account no. because of knives out they already they already have it it's it's like ubiquitous with people now so but for me the question yeah. is do they release it, it in theaters to make money time. yeah or do they right. not because that would be the thing. If, if Netflix releases a big movie like a Knives Out sequel in theaters, does that movie make box office money or does it not? Because everybody has Netflix and they can watch it all. Part of me as opposed to something know, like the HBO Max, because some, a lot of people don't have it. Part of me thinks they know it wouldn't make as much money as it should. And when a movie doesn't make a lot of money at the box office, it is seen as a failure. Yeah, and I guess it depends on how much they really are going to end up putting into it. You know, I mean, Netflix, I mean, they make so much money a month. Um, they make like somewhere, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but somewhere between like 650 and like a billion dollars a month just off their subscribers. Um, so like they can drop money on things, but whether, oops, whether or not the idea of releasing a movie in theaters would appeal to them, I mean, I feel like they can take the loss if they're, you know, if it doesn't work out. Right. They can, they can afford to experiment with one because they still got it on their on their home platform. If it doesn't make as much money as possible, they can go, okay, well, it didn't work out, and we won't yeah. we won't do that again. For them, they can but, say, well, they we didn't release, we didn't make any money in the box office, but here's how many people watched it in X amount of days when it hit the platform, and that would be like a, I bet they would have really interesting household numbers to see and depending on what the cost would be for like a wide release you know they could i think they they would they would make some money off of it maybe well who knows 
All I'm saying is require, that you double money from me, Netflix. Yeah, it would require a massive change in attitude too, because you know we've heard in the past that one of the problems with movies, movie theaters taking in Netflix films is that Netflix demands like create some crazy things, like it must be in so many of your theaters. And theaters are like, we can't put one movie in that many rooms. And they're like, well, then you can't have it at all. Um, Things like that, that just get in the way of the business. Plus, at the end of the day, how does it look for the world's biggest streaming company to put their movies in theaters? True. It's kind of like, eh. Yeah, I know. That's why it's kind of a pipe dream in a lot of ways. I think we're lucky that they they do what they do, which is put it in a small number of theaters. True. for whatever reasons they have, but that's as good as it gets for them, I think. Um, oh, and, and I wanted to, while, while you guys were talking, I, I looked up something just to, just for fun, um, because it's been a little over a year since the pandemic started affecting movies. This weekend, last year in 2020, the box office made $3,700. Whoa. There were about 30 theaters open. And by theaters, I mean screens. Yeah. <laughs> there were about 30 screens yeah. open in Mar- the weekend of March 28th last year. Um, yeah, this is about the time that uh, Onward was out, I think. And uh, um, So it shows Onward. how far we've come from making $3,000 in one weekend to Kong versus Godzilla potentially making uh, about $46 million. Big deal, big deal. Yeah, um, I wonder if I can, do I have that number? Uh, yeah, Kong actually, so for, uh, according to Box Office Mojo, on its release day, Kong averaged $3,900 a theater. So that's more <laughs> than yeah. the entire yeah, US box office. the entire box office. This weekend wow. last year. Okay, um, yeah. who remembers who's running our letterbox game this week? It's Garrett this week. Garrett oh, good, because I game. accidentally just saw the score anyway. <laughs> well, that's perfect. So perfectly. Works out. Works out. So, uh, gentlemen, David, do you have a tally of who's won what? Do you happen to have that information? I or do. Who? So, uh, uh, you just mean who, who's in the lead? And who's, yeah. Who's, who's got what score? Yeah. Uh, well, right now, it's Garrett 2 the rest of us won. Hey, sweet. We've all had at least one win. Garrett, uh, he won for Malcolm and Marie and the Snyder Cut. Uh, Andrew won a Ride in the Last Dragon. I won the Little Things, and then Josh won Judah and the Black Messiah. So that's where we, that's where we stand as of this recording. There are, some right, all, there are some other cuts out there. Some other recordings out there that yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't privy to, but we'll yeah, catch up we'll get you that information eventually. All right, boys. Uh, who wants to go first? You can just shout them out since you're tired. I don't care. Mm, man. Um, I think it's going to be pretty good. I think the Letterboxd yeah. community will enjoy the MonsterVerse. Yeah. They're both. I've, I've seen the Rotten Tomato scores, and both of those are pretty high. I saw those as well. Yes. Um. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say three point four. Three point four for Josh. Yeah. Very close to where I was gonna go. Right, it's hard. Like it's like three point five is really high for a movie on Letterbox, but three point yeah. seems too low for this. For this, I know it's tough. I was gonna say three point three, 
3.3. Which would just undercut you. But I, man, so I don't know if I want to go over you or under you. That's the thing is that 3.5 isn't bad either necessarily. Right. Because it could be higher than that still. Um, I will say, you know, uh, I will say, uh, I'll give myself some distance. I'll say a 3.6. 3.6. Okay, so we got a 3.4 for Josh and a 3.6 for. There's a tie. David. Then we have a tie. We can we can we can settle that. But otherwise, we got it covered on other ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you that there is. We can also tell you that there is no exact winner. I can also tell you that both of you went way too high. Oh, no. Which means Josh is the winner. The score on Letterboxd is a 3.1. I only went 0.3 too high. I wouldn't call that way. I know. I didn't. I said we went way. I thought you were gonna high. drop us with. I thought you were gonna say it was like a two point two. I was that's what I was waiting for. Normally, what? Normally, that's that's high for us. Normally, yeah. but we also normally have a third person to even out the range. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Josh yeah, should have taken. Just stuck with that three point three. Shoot. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that's two. That's win number two for Josh. Josh was our winner last year. I think uh, just looking at some of these. Uh, sorry. Uh, hey, read this the, some of the top reviews. Some of the reviews here: uh, Godzilla in all caps, Godzilla versus Kong, movie of the year. Movies are back. Summer <laughs> is here. Hollow Earth is real. <laughs> I think they a lot of people feel excited. like that. You know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, another good one here. Uh, yeah, Kong's and, gonna get all that goodwill that. Uh, yeah. Godzilla versus Kong's gonna get all that goodwill that Tenant wanted. Yeah. And uh, another good one that I enjoy here, I imagine this is a post-credits and it just says, and they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> so those are just uh, a few of the, the ones there that I I did see a very to. funny, I don't know if it was a meme, I don't know if it's a real thing, but someone had a <laughs> children's book of, uh, it was his children's book for Godzilla versus Kong. And it was, uh, it was Kong on a building reaching out to Godzilla. And it said, sometimes friends fight. That was the name of the book. Is sometimes friends fight for children, starring Kong and Godzilla. I was like, that's nice. Uh, did you read a particularly funny one there, Gary? Oh, it just said, bro. I I skipped my uncle's funeral to go watch this, and it caught me off guard. I was not prepared for that, <laughs> so I put that down. Well, that's good. So, oh, well, what, yeah. well, what do you guys rate it? Yeah, what are we rating it? You know what? I had a lot of fun. I'd watch this again. I'm gonna go high. It's gonna get a four stars from me. Ooh, a full four from Gary. I'm going to go uh, a little lower than you, but not too much. I'm going to give it three and a half. I thought this was pretty good. I enjoyed myself. I could I could be t- talked into watching it again. Can't say that for the other two Godzilla movies. I would watch Kong Skull Island again. Um, but uh, I kind of think three and a half. That's where I'm going to go with it. Uh, I also had a great time and would watch it again. So it's, a, it's also a four for me with that our so many sequel score comes out to a 3.8 we have to round that up to a four which means we're doing we went considerably higher than letterbox this time we didn't have andrew to round it out that's true we didn't have andrew's score we'll get it from him and add it in see if andrew would have gave us two and a half and would have really evened us out i loved it one star (laughs) (laughs) i thought the visuals were great i thought that they were nice 
Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about the visuals. And can we real quick, just just real quick? I know this. You want to sneak I don't know how, how long in. we're going, but like the visual Post effects in this movie were incredibly good. Um, I think Kong looked amazing. I think the close-ups that you got of Godzilla were really good to see the scale and the texture and all of that. Uh, the destruction. Uh, I don't know what it was called when they went to the place they went because I can't remember. But like, I thought that looked great. It's the Hollow World, I think. So they yeah, did. the whole Hollow World element of it, like all of the effects from this movie, were absolutely fantastic. I thought that for me, yeah, Kong looked great. Godzilla looked great. Um, destruction and all that stuff looked really good. I kind of thought that one of the most interesting shots that I remember. Sorry. You have an audience. It's okay. I have an audience. He Jack is. He, he did he, not he, like he, the effects, though. He didn't really care for the movie at all. It was a lot of screaming monsters. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's, not a, he's not necessarily a big fan of Millie Bobby Brown either. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. He doesn't know the difference. shots really stands out and maybe it wouldn't stand out to most is uh, towards the beginning during the track montage that you were talking about mm -hmm. was uh when he chucks that tree and it hits uh josh will get this the holodeck that he's inside oh, yeah. and breaks it i was like i was actually surprised i genuinely was not expecting i that. agree so i, I was, was like, not expecting oh, that either oh that was <laughs> that was kind of neat i like that it was a, it was a good use of visual effects to just make you to remind you oh yeah none of this is, none of this is real and a lot of times that's the case none of this is actually yeah. real i'm just watching a really good painting yeah it was really good the effects were really cool uh that i believe is gonna wrap up this episode of so many sequels thank you for watching with us um and mm -hmm. enjoying or not enjoying kong versus godzilla or godzilla versus kong i guess um yeah let us know what you thought yeah let us know what you thought of the movie by sending us a message on instagram or commenting on one of our facebook posts or however else you want to get a hold of us in the comments below leave us a review on yeah. itunes and all, all of that leave us a, re a review leave us your review in the comments on itunes and we might read them that way wouldn't that be fun wouldn't that be fun you can also leave us you can also leave us a five-star review there while you're there. That would yeah. be more fun. Yeah. You yeah, can do no, all I, kinds of stuff to help us. You can hit that little thumbs up button on YouTube. Share yeah, with or friends. You can reply as well to our letterbox account. So many sequels on Letterbox. I'm David Proc on Letterbox. I think you guys. Josh, uh, say I your names. I don't remember what your usernames are. Yeah. Just Josh Bud Gammon and Garrett Powders. That's us. Find us on there. You can comment there as well. You know, yep. uh, we're always looking for more engagement. Exactly. So find us online, subscribe to the show, however you came across us. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so in your favorite podcasting app or on our YouTube channel. Um, just search so many sequels wherever you need to search. We'll be back next time with another movie review. Till then, uh, bye. <laughs>